0: we are not telling you to quit your job here at off the clock the healthcare entrepreneurs podcast we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you this is otc university and class is in session
1: Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur Podcast. As always, I am the captivating, motivating, tensilating, and money-making Mr. Carlborn Jr., and I got my main man, Mr. Paulo Chang. Paul, say what's up to the people.
0: Yo, yo, it's me, Paulo Chang. What up, what up, what up? I'm happy to be here. Hopefully, y'all are doing great, and uh, just hearing my voice brings a smile to your face. I ain't cracking no jokes today, so we're here. To, we're on business, all right? We're here on business but um, I'm happy to be here today.
1: The jokes are coming later. Just wait for it. Thank you for that though, Paul. Guys, as always, you know, every week we love to bring you special guests that can improve your business, your brand, really improve your life. And this week is no exception. With that being said, we have got a powerhouse in the building today. We have, oh my goodness, just a Jackie of all trades, but really she is just Killing it. So, without further ado, I want to go ahead and introduce our guest for today. Uh, she is a global consultant to Fortune 500 biotech companies and a successful entrepreneur here in the Miami, Florida area. The company she builds and affiliations she keeps all share a common focus of promoting productivity, health, and life balance in the lives of entrepreneurial executives. She's on fire, y'all. And after spending 23 years in biopharma and having experienced the effects of corporate burnout, her focus is on helping small public and private corporations build high-performing teams through her CORE method. She is the creator of the COREpreneur podcast and the author of the book, Affluent Minds, Core Expressions for a Rich and Wonderful Life. She's also the founder of RXER Communications Corp a premier global medical affairs management consulting and content development firm, partnering with biotech companies. Guys, if I keep going, I'm gonna run out of breath. She's amazing. Without further ado, I wanna go ahead and introduce our lovely guest for today. We have, yes, we have the lovely Miss Anne Arvizu in the building. And thank you so much for joining us. How are you feeling?
2: I'm feeling awesome, Carl and Paul. You know why? Because we're off the clock. So good.
1: <laughs> yes, ma'am. I love it. I love it. So, and we like to be respectful of your time. With that being said, we're just going to go for it. So, right off the bat, we always like to start with why, right? Because so many things can stem from that why. And with that being said, tell us, why did you even choose to pursue being in the field of healthcare?
2: Hmm. From the very beginning, healthcare was important to me. I um, actually have a degree before my pharmacy degree. I had my first degree at Villanova University. And during that whole time when I was studying business and international communications and you know, people in politics and all that stuff, I was still working at the YMCA and I was a lifeguard and I then did EMT stuff. And you know, I knew I didn't wanna go into medicine I didn't really want to touch people or kind of like, you know, smell weird stuff, but, you know, I knew I wanted to go into research. I definitely knew research was in and pharmacy seemed like a great path for that, that I could learn clinical research development and all that. Obviously you have to go through just like what you guys do with PT, you know, you have to go through all of it to kind of find your niche. Um, but that was the original, me, you know, reason I... I graduated with my bachelor's degree from Villanova University. And then that whole summer, I was happier as a lifeguard and literally caring about people's well-being and if they were going to live or die or not rather than business and stuff. But I knew business was going to be part of it later. I just knew that I had to do something with, you know, what is it that really heals people, body, mind, and spirit? And at the YMCA, between two of the pools that I lifeguarded, I I lifeguarded at this one YMCA that they had nine pools and between two of those pools they had the Y symbol and it literally said body, mind and spirit. And I thought that's really it. That's what I always wanted. I wanted us to be healthy, um, mentally healthy, which is a big deal right now, mental health, burnout. Um, burnout, it's something that I know very well as a workaholic, definitely, you know, I'll admit it. I'm Ann Arvizu and I'm a workaholic. Um, and, and some of us who are that entrepreneurial type, we do that. So, so kind of having it all together, I've gone, gone into healthcare for those reasons to really heal people's minds, but also hearts and bodies. And then you start to weave your way of like, where's my, where's my niche? Where, where's this fall? You know, you just kind of figure it out from there.
0: One, I don't think we've ever had anybody that worked at the Y on the podcast. So oh, really? welcome. Um, it's a first. But, you know, I, I, I bring that up because it speaks to your character and it speaks to doing what you love. The question I have for you is, um, I'm sweating. The question I have for you uh, really comes down to trying to understand um, how you gauge success habits. And I ask this particularly because I think, you know, it's very easy somebody could just turn on a YouTube video and people are like, oh, what are all the millionaires? What's their morning routine? Whatever. Mm-hmm. And we tend to miss a lot of the smaller attributes, right? Um, that make up success. So for you, what would you say your are top three success habits that have allowed you to get to where you are today.
2: Wow. What an amazing question, Paul. Okay. So attributes is a huge word for me because for me, attributes is values, right? It goes down to your values. And for me, if you know my brand corepreneur, it means what's in your core because we are all as entrepreneurs, man, we can be bombarded too much, too fast all the time. We can go through so much stuff in business last week, all three of my websites crashed. I had to get them recreated, had to scramble with a team. You know, you can get buried in the weeds. And if you don't have a strong, solid core, which for me is that mind, body, spirit, and spirit equals core, core in corepreneur is a an acronym for me. And it stands for four attributes. It stands for being centered, open, resilient, and energized. And when you're centered, it's like, okay, First, what are you centered on? Or who are you centered on, right? So it's like, okay, if I had to cry out, it's like, okay, God, (laughs) that's my first centering point. The second thing is what are the values that come from that? Or what are the you know, ideas that I'm gonna tap into when the chips are down, right? When all things are going wrong, when all hell's breaking loose. Okay, okay, I surrender because all things are gonna work together for my good. So I have to just know that and I'll get that on the other side. But I had to get to my core. I had to go within past my mind, right? Because in my mind, it's gonna be, this isn't gonna happen, that's not gonna happen. And you know, these people are leaving and this is, you know, it's just all this junk that we we get stuck in our heads. Tony Robbins used to say, get stuck in your head, you're dead. And that's so true. So like, we need to like go back to the why Right? Carl's why we need to go back to our attributes and tap in to those attributes. So being centered is the first. Being open is huge. Open is like, oh my gosh. open is non-judgmental. Open is who and what comes my way matter. Open is I'm open to a new experience, even though it's not the idea of the way I want to do my business. I'm open to maybe... Someone else knows something I don't, and therefore it's gonna make it better because I don't believe we were ever meant to do life alone, right? We even need podcasts like this. Like I listen to your show because I'm a healthcare entrepreneur. And when I heard about your show and you guys invited me, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna start tapping in. And the wealth that comes through, but you're not gonna get something from it unless you're open to someone who's 20 years younger than you saying something and you're like, yeah, I get it. And I might've known that before, but I'm gonna hear it in a different way. And then the R stands for resilient. And the resilient, like if these are my core four, the centered, open, resilient, and energized, but they stand for they stand for the positive core four and corepreneur. The negative core four is chaos, overwhelm, resistance, and exhaustion. It's kind of like everything 2020 was. And so resistance could be like, you know, I'm resistant to doing this next thing, or I'm resistant to changing website platforms, or I'm resistant to dot, 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 whatever. You could be resistant to anything in your life or in your business. Maybe someone else is resistant to your message because it's coming out of ego instead of from your heart. And, and you're going to get bouncing back instead of someone going, yeah, that's awesome. I love what you guys are doing. And so the resilience comes from learning how to overcome resistance and resistance is good in some ways when it helps you build muscles, right? Like if I'm going to get a weight, I'm not very, very, very strong, but like if I got some weights, I'm sure you guys could, you know, do a couple more than I could, but like resistance builds muscle over time. And that's the good part of it. Just like all these negatives have a positive, like negative anger could be good. If it fuels you to do something else, as long as you don't, go that next step and hurt someone with it. Right? So, so just resistance there goes to resilience, brings you the strength you need for when the chips are down in your business. And then if you get centered, open, resilient, you're going to be energized because you're going to be leading from your core so that you can live and give more so that you can do what really God's called you to do in your life. So that you are stepping out and you're just, okay, I know that there's this, yes, we have to maintain the WordPress website. Yes, we've got to get the video uh, to this podcast up and running. Yes, we got to get the audio done and get it up and, you know, log it on everywhere. There's the tactics and the stuff we all have to do. And as entrepreneurs, we can totally get caught in the weeds of the junk of it all. Or we can delegate it out and find the right team. And if that team doesn't work, we can find another team and blissfully say goodbye in a nice way and always be the nicest person you can from your core. And that's really, Paul, to answer your question, those are four very, very key attributes in my world.
1: I love, I love those so much. And it's funny. I remember that we were we were listening to an interview, a past interview that you did and there was this quote that you said and it was just like wow like that that's that's gold and essentially um what you said was you should focus on becoming a river versus being a reservoir right and that felt like such gold because I think especially just from an entrepreneurial standpoint it's it's very easy to get stagnant it's very easy to get stuck in our ways and 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 kind of always think about things from an aspect like even even we talked about it before we started recording you know like where people wanted to just be on your show just to be able to get their their five minutes of fame and whatnot you know what I'm saying and it's like we have to start looking at things from a standpoint of not just like what can I get but what can I give what value do I have to bring and so I kind of want to Segue in and ask this question is like just looking right now at the, the landscape of healthcare and 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 the way things are right now, what would you say is, and it can even be prior to COVID-19 and everything happening, what would you say is one thing that you really would like to change about healthcare?
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's let's press the rewind button there because even prior to COVID-19. I'm from the biopharma industry, right? So it was too much, too fast all the time for every healthcare person that I know. I don't care if you're a physical therapist, a physician, my husband's a physician, I'm a PharmD, nurses, we have had it up to here. 12-hour days in pharmacies with no breaks, no potty breaks, no food is ridiculous. It's waiting. It's like accidents waiting for our patients to happen. And we go into healthcare because we care about people. We go into healthcare because we want to change the world for the better and, and make a good living at it and get the nice salary. Okay. That's all good. But when you, when you literally go into healthcare because I know I'm meant for this, right? When my niece went into being a nurse, she was just like, I just really want to help people. Like we start off so idealistic, and then we get jaded so fast that first year when it's like, Phew, you know, like 12 hour days or for, for me, it was my other office. This is my home office in Miramar. I have a home in the Keys. I have a home office there. My other home away from home was the Miami airport lounge, because when I'd be in there, I'd be on business trips or I'd be on the plane all the time. I was jacking up like the 90,000 miles a year in super platinum plus on American airlines and all that. And eventually, what is it serving me? It's giving me radiation poisoning when I'm on a plane too much. It's not allowing me to be with my family where I want. Um, One of my hobbies is boating. I want to do that because if I do that on the weekends, I'm going to be happier on Monday towards whoever I'm serving. So the landscape of healthcare was very, very draining and still is. And... What I had hoped to see during last year when everything switched into Zoom and all that was at least in big business, big pharma type industry, I was hoping to see a little bit of a, a relaxation process, letting people do what they need to do, especially as women in healthcare who are now like on Zoom all the time. Before you could actually just be on a phone call. Remember those? And uh, and you could actually not have all makeup on and everything. So for women, that's like a thing. And now it's like we have to be Zoom ready. Like I don't. I want, I only want to schedule all my Zoom calls on Wednesdays and Thursdays <laughs> because this is the only time I want to have a makeup on because we need our time down and we need our time like to recover and restore ourselves from a soul level, really. So, I think that for healthcare in general, the good news about the pandemic happening is that at least something I see, you guys might be on Doximity or kind of similar types of platforms as, as well for other healthcare professionals. When I go in and I see the pharmacists and the physicians talking in there, it's like, you know, we've had enough now. They're really ready for this new conversation they're ready to say something isn't right. I don't know quite how to fix it yet, but it's time to make that conversation happen with every organization. So hospitals, with uh, institutions of healthcare, with mobile healthcare units, with, you know, how am I getting to people's houses to do physical therapy or to do nursing? My friend, Sharon's a physical therapist and she leans on me as kind of a mentor and advisor for her even though she's my friend she doesn't have to pay me right so so but I'm going to sit there and help her when she's starting this mobile physical therapy business and the first thing that happened to her was she texts me last week and she says you know the first person I told about it instead of my you know my family and you was my next door neighbor cuz he just happened to be there and he slammed the idea that that was even a good idea and I'm like any entrepreneurial idea is a good idea if you're there to solve a problem, then you're creating a niche market that someone needs. If you can see that one of your ex patients needs that, then go for it and stop listening to all the noise out there. Because there's so many voices, and so many courses that they'll tell you, this is how you have to do a Facebook ad. And this is how you have to do a launch. And this is how you have to do this. And this is how you do this. And you'll be end up spending all your time and courses and money and doing this stuff instead of just taking You know what? I drink my Kool-Aid too. I hire the right coaches and the right mentors, and I don't care what I have to pay them because if they're going to give me the right answers, man, that's worth, like what you were saying earlier, Carl, solid gold. And that I think has been a major problem with healthcare. And I think healthcare entrepreneurs, we're going to see a lot more of them really popping up. I mean, your, your podcast is proof in the pudding.
0: I want to hit on something, especially, you know, what's funny, I, I was on, I think it was this morning, I was on Twitter, and you see where I'm going with this, y'all, but there was a mother that was, she's a teacher, right, and she was talking about the concept of Zoom detention, right, so kids going to detention on Zoom. The thing is, um, her child is in the fourth grade and out of safety concerns chose to have her child do zoom class instead of in-person classes so the kid was having a lot of problems you know focusing and really can't sit in front of the computer all the time and like whatever and so they were like hey your kid has detention and here's a login to come into zoom obviously she was like listen i'm not about to send my kid to detention on zoom that's kind of productive but but the reason i bring that up just speaks to the not even the precipice, kind of like the final point, which 2020 exposed that a lot of professionals are dealing with that burnout, that exhaustion, that impending feeling of like never ending approaching doom when it comes to just feeling like you're always preparing, but you're never prepared as a healthcare professional. And so, you know, it really, really hits for me, you know, being able to talk about that simply because it's, it's so, it's so unfortunate that I think a lot of professionals find themselves because a lot of those questions start to pop up. Right. And you just said a lot more people are going to become health entrepreneurs. A lot of those questions start to pop up. People start asking themselves like, yo, well, is this really worth coming in here and feeling like I'm slaving away all day? Could I do this for myself? You know? Um, and for those of you out are listening, if there's one thing I promise you when it comes to healthcare, if this is your driving motivation, there's money to be made everywhere yeah. in healthcare, like
2: <laughs> everywhere.
0: Um, but, you know, a lot of people will start to get to that point. And so, one of the things that I have to then ask you, kind of looking back, right? And we were talking about it prior to the podcast when you said, you no, know, you had to kind of go through the process and then you got to this point of entrepreneurship uh, versus us. We just, I honestly think like Carl and I just kind of got thrown into it, really you know, the desire was there, but we just, we didn't have that. We just started in entrepreneurship. I love that. Um, But the question I have, and this, this is helpful really to the people that are listening at whatever point in time and they're thinking to themselves, okay, what are the things that I need to start thinking about entrepreneurship wise? Because I think We we spoke about attributes and we spoke about core. And I love that, by the way, centered, open, resilient, energized. I love that. And I love how you have the counter side of that with the chaos, overwhelm, resistance, exhaustion. Mm. But when we're talking about like, if you could go back and talk to Anne coming fresh out of college with all these dreams, not feeling burnt out, the world is yours. And all you can say is, hey, you're going to be an entrepreneur one day right? What would you tell yourself at that point that would better help you get to where you are? And then two, how could then that then apply to the general future entrepreneurs to be out of healthcare?
2: Yeah, I'd say the the younger self question is definitely start sooner. Um, So many people did to me what they did to my friend, Sharon, in that example is that they said, this isn't gonna work. And when I was uh, finishing up pharmacy school, I went through my mom dying of cancer. Now my dad died of cancer when I was 10. So my mom dying in in pharmacy school mean like, even though yes, I'm over 18, but technically I felt like an orphan. And it was like, yeah, okay, I have a family structure and I have a brother, but it was me and I had to be me. And I had to be me pretty fast. And even in that structure, I was told don't go in the pharmaceutical industry. And and y'all, I just told you how old I was earlier. And I'll tell our listeners, I'm 52. This is back when there were typewriters, okay? I don't know if you know what those are, but yeah, you had to type up your resume one at a time. And I remember I typed up, I was very persistent. And I typed up a hundred resumes Two page resumes with the little white out because you had to get the little white strips and then correct your things. There was no backspace, whatever. And uh, on that paper, and I had to get the manila envelopes and send them to pharmaceutical companies because I decided. I'm going to get myself into a pharmaceutical company. Then once I was in the pharmaceutical company, Paul, I asked myself the exact same question you just said. If I'm slaving away all day and I'm working these 12 hour days and I have this boss doing this to me and this and this, right? I had a great experience and wonderful learning. And I will never, ever say I want to undo any of that, but those harder times where either you're misunderstood or you make a mistake or this or that, right? I was a global study uh, team leader at GlaxoSmithKline from SmithKline Beecham side. And that was amazing, 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 amazing. But at some point I said, I'm going to leave and start my own company. And when I started saying those things to the people around me, they gave me that resistance. And that resistance just meant like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to either do it or I'm going to plan it or I'm going to, you know, but I think, Um, I did launch it at the right time. Back in 2002, I had the first idea for RXER Communications, and I launched it in 2004. So I did wait two years. But I think at the same time, it was the right time when I launched. Um, I would say my very, very first entrepreneurial thought was back in 1999. And at the time, I was engaged to someone. And that person was like, "No way! You're not going to be a farm D. You shouldn't. You shouldn't finish your doctorate, and you'll never start a business." And it was like, "Okay, just watch." Now, the business that I had originally thought of still um, starting was a wellness center, and that wellness center—this is before the entire wellness industry has exploded so far. I am actually. I have I could show you text messages with a realtor that I just uh, contacted this week about buying an almost seven million dollar property in the Florida Keys to build that wellness center. Now I have another little obstacle in front of me, and that obstacle is the zoning is residential rather than commercial, but I'm like, okay, have you ever heard of Lisa Nichols, I don't know if you've heard of her. She was in the secret anyway. She's got her own courses and all this stuff. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. So she was just um, in a course that I was in this past year and she came in as a guest speaker and she said, I want you to remember something. And I said, what is this? This is huge, this is like one of my biggest lessons of the year. She goes, remember your evidence. What's the evidence? So my evidence is okay. I built one seven figure company. I can do it again even though that was my first idea that I didn't act on then because there was too many people pushing it down, I'm still like, if it's going to percolate and it's going to come back, it is going to be in you. If it's for you to do, it's going to be in you. For me, that's working on 20 years. I wish I didn't waste those 20 years, but maybe there's that right thing at the right time too. Because if I do get to build, you know, buy that property, I'm not going to do it alone. I'm going to have an investor or two, Whatever, but now I'm a little more fearless to figure it out. Where if I could tell that younger self, say, you know what, now, like, guys, the world's your oyster. There are investors, people will be early adopters. There's a better way to do things, maybe, than I did. Like, I've taken the longest road possible. I've taken the, you know, the Beatles, the long and winding road. Like, I have taken such a long way to get where I've needed to go. And I think if you're true to yourself and you believe in yourself and you believe in what God's put in your heart and you have that idea and you just put your blinders on and you just don't worry. Remember like, do you ever, ever walk down like the streets of Philadelphia? I I was, I was in Philadelphia a long time for pharmacy school and they have the, the horses. They have them in New York too. They have the horses and they get the little blinders on. And they can't see you on the side. They don't, that way they don't get distracted. And we let ourselves get distracted with what's this other podcast doing? And what's this other guy doing? And oh my gosh, they have their masterclass out before me. And we like talk ourselves out of the thing we need to do. And we just have to stop doing that. So that's the long answer to the short question.
0: <laughs> I have a follow-up. Okay, um,
2: <laughs> I love that.
0: Well, you know, and- Really, it comes down to kind of and I originally I was gonna ask you about like you know the importance of like the people around you, mm-hmm. but we we can go into that. But that's not I don't want to know about that right now. What I do wanna know about um, comes into that like mental now I talk when we talked about resilience, but there's that mental resilience that's required. Yeah. And you kind of spoke about it, but I think that's one of those things that boy, like you either figure it out very quickly in entrepreneurship or you you just drop out. And, you know, one of the things is the ability to hear other people say no to your vision or hear other people say no to your dream and think that it's crazy or it's like it's too outlandish. Why would you do that? Or the bigger one, really, um, I call them confirmation coaches. The people that basically like feed into either your anxiety or they feed into your lack of your subconscious lack of belief in yourself. Yeah. Right. And the reason I bring this up, because it, it, especially in physical therapy, like it it absolutely makes no sense to me whatsoever. Why every PT doesn't come out and say, yo, I want to do my own thing. It just doesn't make sense to me, but that's, that's my personal opinion. Um, but the thing I do see a lot, and especially in a lot of healthcare professionals that want to be entrepreneurs is that that ability to kind of push past the nonsense, right? The BS like around them, just kind of push past it and stay focused and keep their eye on the ball. It's almost like it has to be a learned skill because not everybody internally has it. So for you, you know, you were talking about like how, You had the first idea and then people were just like, "Eh, what, (laughs) like, what the heck, but what is it internally that kept, kept driving? Because people need to like, hear that and understand it from the perspective of like, okay, maybe I'm listening, right? Maybe somebody's listening right now. And they're thinking, I really want this thing so badly, but they don't realize that they themselves are the reason why they don't want it, even though they're verbally saying they want it. So what is it that kept, Driving in you to say, "Forget them. I'm just Mm going to do it."
2: Mm -hmm. That's a deep question. Um, That's really the download moment, right? The download moment for me is with. I've had them three times since 1999. One in 1999, one in 2002, and one in 2006. And I'll I'll kind of describe what I mean that nobody can take away from me ever is that boom. I was in Puerto Rico. I was on a business trip. I was a clinical scientist. I was the director of um, medical communications and medical information for GlaxoSmithKline Latin America. I had a ginormous team, I had an awesome boss, I had the whole nine yards. I was going to Puerto Rico to help hire a new farm D on that team. Back then they were called RMSs, regional medical scientists. Now they're called MSLs, if you've heard of those in the industry. And um, I was, and she was a hybrid role. She was part medical information MSL. And it was 5.30 in the morning, I woke up and literally like kind of saying I was woke, right? Like I, I woke up, I was, I opened my blinds, I'm looking at the sunrise, and I don't know if it was the strong Puerto Rican coffee or what, but I opened a journal, and it was like a download of 23 pages that I wrote, and I created RXCR communications. So when people told me I couldn't, and I came back to Miami, and I, I went to a guy who was part of a, a consulting firm and a communications firm, and I said, is this a model you would use? Like, I didn't give him all the details, but I said, is this kind of what you guys do as consultants? And he he's like, yeah, that's a perfect model. So that was infused in me. So for me, entrepreneurship is a calling. I was supposed to start that company and that baby is still with me today. And it has morphed and it has changed and I've learned and I've grown it, but it was like that idea came in I even had the original logo. I still have my very original logo. Like my my branding people changed it a couple of years ago, and it's all you know blue and green now or whatever teal and green. Um, but it just was like I I sketched out that original logo, and a, and a graphic design person brought it to life. And the same thing with the other thing is that the core, that whole core, came to me because when I became an entrepreneur, and when I finally stepped out in 2004 to start RXR Communications. I said, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna join the Tony Robbins thing. I'm gonna go walk on fire. I'm gonna swing from a pole. I'm gonna do whatever I'm supposed to do to like you know rah rah myself up to be the person who is the entrepreneur who has to actually lead this business. So I did all that stuff, but in 2008, that was a bad year. Now 2008, there was a market crash beyond all crashes, right? It was like it was like another 2020 economically, because Florida, California, and Las Vegas, the three kind of really fun markets of the US, that's where all the bubble hit in terms of real estate. And we, we had, um, my, my husband was losing his job. I was losing contract after contract. Every small biotech pharma company was being bought by everybody in New Jersey. Like if you know the industry, everybody's up in New Jersey or uh, like there's a biotech contingency in in San Fran. A lot of my clients now are in Cambridge. Um, Pennsylvania is where I started, but all these companies started, like, you know, the big conglomerations started. Pfizer was buying up everybody. Pfizer bought um, Wyeth, Glaxo bought, Glaxo and SmithKline merged 50, 50, 49 split. It was a big, big time. And so my, my, my clients in Florida, Coast Pharmaceuticals, Ivax, they were gone. And they, and those contracts were gone. I literally lost everything. My husband and I had to pack up our house, move across the country, get jobs. I restarted my business. It was like taking a paddle going, you know, like it was basically like, oh man, I have to raise a corpse from the dead. That's what RXCR was in 2008. And in 2009, I was getting contracts back. I restarted my company into, you know, it was just like, I know I was supposed to do this because I had that precedent to kind of tap back into. And then in 2009, something really remarkable occurred. That was when the third download happened. That third download is when I got the core wheel, which is what I wrote about in my book, Affluent Minds. I'll try and show it to you real quick on this thing where the core actually goes. It looks like this and it is a wheel. It's different than your regular life balance wheel because we are really multi-dimensional in our businesses and in our lives. And there hasn't been a work-life balance model like this ever before because there was a problem because this whole time in entrepreneurship, I not only did all the, the events and all that stuff and did all the courses, I became a certified coach certified consultant certified in NLP I really did do a lot of deep work on myself and receiving this was like I'm sitting there pecking away at a corporate spreadsheet in one of my new clients in Pennsylvania and it's this giant like publications spreadsheet I had like 1900 publications to go out within a year for this big corporate client it's a big deal it was like a couple hundred thousand dollar contract and um, I'm sitting there like, and the download happens. I got across, I, w- I walked across my office to my whiteboard and I drew this wheel out, what you saw. And in the, be- in, in the very beginning, because it was personal to me, it, it didn't have the core in it. That didn't come till later when I started asking my clients, what's in your core? You know, what's at the center of all you do? Like patient centricity, we always say. And this is what the first one looked like. It was like, that's all I could muster. I'm like, okay. All right, God, you're in my finances, you're in my career, you're in my relationships, you're in my health, you're in my personal life, you're in my social life, my cognitive. What am I feeding myself with? Am I feeding myself with news and doubt, or am I feeding myself with something that's going to get me through this hard period of time, right? So, that when that came to me, like, you can't take that from me, you know, you can't take that away. I know that I have to teach it how that happens is another thing i think like the how is where people really mess up so they have this idea they know it's theirs nobody can take it from them just like i said these are my things but how it looks what the colors of your website are you know people trip up on the how and the to-do list and the stuff around it and um it doesn't have to look like, like, I, and I know people of faith, like, cause I I am a person of faith. I know people will be like, well, God, what do you want it to look like? And he's been there going, well, Adam, you name the animal. You know what I mean? Like it's a co-creation. Like we can make it look like any way we want it. We can pick any color. We can pick any brand. We can pick the name. We just, just go do it and have fun. Right. At one point last year, I was like, well, maybe I should get rid of the corporate podcast. And then my producer goes, well, why would you want to change the name right now? Like I just had 40,000 downloads. (laughs) You're going to change your brand. Like, but I think we self-sabotage ourselves going, oh, well, maybe this is a better name now for this, or this is a better thing or better color or better brand. And that kind of stuff is so superfluous. So I think like in in the grand scheme of things, just what are those main ideas? Go back to your core. What are those ideas that you have? What's that person, that icon, that, that avatar people call it? For us, it's patients, right? Because we're healthcare entrepreneurs. What does that patient need? How can they be your client? What can you serve them with? And if you can be a servant leader to them, the money really, truly will follow. It just takes momentum. That's why when you guys said, you know, what do you, would you like us to focus on anything today? I'm like, no, you're listeners. That's what we need to focus on. Because if people care about ever hearing me again, they'll look me up. It doesn't matter. They'll figure it out. They'll know who Paul and Carl Paul and Carl are. They'll know what off the clock means. But you know, you, you hear what I'm saying. I see you heads nodding. I'll stop now.
1: You just dropped so many gems. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and one of so one of the things that me and Paul are very pro about is pro-personal development, right? Mm-hmm. There's no There's no growing your mindset. There's no growing your brand or your business without that personal development piece. Mm -hmm. And so we try to, we try to get the personal development sprinkled in sometimes in the form of a book or, you know, anything like that, that a guest may recommend. And for you, I kind of want to change it up a little bit because I already know we already know from a previous show you did that a critical book for you was the Alchemist mm. and let me just say that's like top three for me so I so I hundred percent agreed with that but what I want to do is I want to give the listeners an opportunity especially for those who have not read the book um, from your point of view and from someone that's been able to create the brand and businesses that you've been able to create looking at the alchemist what would you say are the the core principles or gems from that book that really you took those and you applied those and felt like it helped transform your business as well
2: mm, yeah i mean just think about the word alchemist we're here transforming something as entrepreneurs we create something out of nothing right Jesus turned water into wine. We're creating like digital stuff and making a website. We're, we're transforming audio waves into something that will touch someone's heart and change the way they think. And so in our ways as an entrepreneur, we are an alchemist. So that's kind of, I think the overarching, but I love the story itself because Paolo Coelho is just a master of prose you can just eat his words. They're so, so good. I, I should take that book on, uh, with me on vacation next week and just reread it. Cause it's so inspiring when you see this person going on his journey and the journey, like we just want to get through it, but the journey is really what it's about and who you meet along the way and who you learn from and who learns from you. And that's the beautiful exchange. That's what makes us in complete unison on this podcast today because we're speaking the same language. But sometimes the mentor that shows up or the person that needs to teach you that next lesson or that person that needs to come and give you a hand is not who you think. And like, that's so important because that goes back to open. So I think that like, I I feel like all roads lead to core. That's just by brand, right? So, but I feel like that leads you to being open to saying, wow, you know, I, it's kind of like, I don't know if you um, saw the movie, The Greatest Showman. Oh, such a good movie. Yeah. Such a good movie. And in the movie um, it's PT Barnum and he's trying like so hard, like to, He's he's trying to date this girl, right? But then her, her, um, her dad is like all like snooty and stuff, like, and like he's like this poor boy. And and then like he like is trying to just make it in the world because his dad dies. And boy, I can some relate to some of the story, right? And that and that, you know, he had to kind of get scrappy and do things on his own. And then there's this one scene where he's a little boy and he tries to steal. Uh, this piece of bread. And the guy comes after him, takes the bread back. And he's sitting there almost crying on the ground. And this crazy looking woman comes up. She's got like, her eyes are all weird. Like she's, she's not beautiful, right? She's not the pretty lady that you just want to receive something with, but she's got an apple and she can give it to him. And, and she gives him this fruit and he's like hungry boy. And he looks at her and I'm like, that's the moment. That's the moment when he said it doesn't matter what you look like, I'm going to actually make a place for you. And that's when he did created the circus. That's like where he started creating it in his mind. So she was his muse and his inspiration. And there's people like that in the alchemist in the the journey that you have in the book. So I won't I won't ruin it for the listeners, but yeah, I think that, that that's a must read for everybody that really wants to start on this journey because it teaches us patience, teaches us openness, and it teaches us that we need people along the way to make it happen.
1: I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I think that was very important for people to hear. So thank you for that. And well, now me and Paul, we have a, a segment that we we do now. It's a new segment and it is our black health segment where essentially we talk about some uh, diseases or impairments that you know plague the black community and try to bring awareness to those so we're going to get into our black health segment real quick and for today's black health segment this is coming from mental health america now while the rate of bipolar disorder is the same among black americans as it is among others black americans are less likely to receive a diagnosis and therefore treatment for this illness. So if you think that you or someone you know has bipolar disorder, you should definitely talk with your PCP or your you know, your primary care physician or faith leader and realize also only a mental health professional can tell if a person does have bipolar disorder and can properly treat it. Um, I know that a lot of times in the black community that there is a lot of uh, mistrust and not really understanding you know, what it looks like to be diagnosed with certain things, or even knowing really you know, if you can trust someone who doesn't look like you, right? And so for those of you that are listening, uh, from Mental Health America, there is a number from the National Medical Association for a list of black doctors, And that number is 888-662-7497. Once again, that's 888-662-7497, as well as Black Psychiatrists of America, which is 510-834-7103. Don't take your mental health lightly, guys. It's so important to make sure you're taking care of yourselves. So that is our Black Health segment for today.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Um, And... I, I have a question for you, um, and these will probably be my last two, depending on what the answer to the first one is. Mm-hmm. So my first question, and you know, it's, it's a little bit of a fun one, right? <laughs> um, but if you, if you could invent anything, because I'm generally curious, I mean, it sounds like you've done a lot. So if you could invent anything in the world, anything in the world, for whatever reason, what would it be?
2: Oh gosh. Can I say two things? Okay. So the first one is something that I still want to come to fruition actually. Um, and that is, I would like to create as a pharmacist, I would like to create, and I've already formulated it, which is a, um, it's an AM and PM formulation for women in menopause. And it's a special formulation that helps us actually stay looking good as well as feeling good and sleeping well and kind of doing all that stuff. And, and when I create the wellness center, um, my brand is actually called that, you know, my brand on the shelf, I have like a website that's not up, but it's called my green apothecary. So I would like to create that and get that out to the world. And if I could really create something, I'm not going to do it. But if I really could, like I would say a, a huge solution to the world would be like an all-in-one system for entrepreneurs that actually works like not just infusion soft and wix and wordpress and that and this and this and and connect it and all the stupid stuff and the calendar and all the what you know all the stuff that we actually need why is not it all in one place why didn't somebody just buy it all up and just you know get it done so i actually know some women who are trying to do that right now which is kind of cool um so if if they didn't think of it first that would have been the other thing that i would have wanted to do
1: i'm going to ask another fun question because we like to have fun here as well and just based off of i know you just mentioned one but just just kind of thinking about other things like what would you say are are three things that are on your entrepreneurial bucket list besides what you just mentioned <sighs>
2: to relax and have fun. Because <laughs> I think as entrepreneurs, we end up like working way too hard. If you have a hard work ethic in your company, and then you think I'm going to just take that same 40 hours, somehow it spreads into 60. And, um, you know, there are, it's really hard for me to get out of the routine. And moving yourself out of the weeds is not on my not on my agenda this year because I had some staff changes at the end of last year. So I'm like kind of recreating some stuff, which takes more of me, right? Takes more of me in training and all that and, and some people that are on my team doing some stuff and putting the right people in the right places, right? Like if you need a driver in the driver's seat on the bus, then someone who's more passive and not proactive isn't really gonna work for you. It's gonna be hard and, 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 and cause long-term tension. So I'd love to get to that point entrepreneurially where I really can be CEO and not just COO, Chief Operations Officer, um, and and being in charge of everything. That's, that's really something I've done, but then I've dipped back into the weeds, to be honest, in this past year because of having to shift. And sometimes as an entrepreneur, you have to do that. I think that even, you know, I'm drinking Hint water right now. You've probably heard of Hint water and it just tastes good. makes me drink a little more water than I should. Um, And I met Kara Golden. She's actually going to be on my podcast. She founded Hint water. And last year during the pandemic, like we, we, we met at a Ritz Carlton on South beach, Um, you know, the, the one on Lincoln road, (laughs) because Carl, you're from Miami. Um, so I, you know, where I'm talking about, I was there a couple weeks ago and I actually saw her and met her in the elevator and we're walking down, you know, we're going down the elevator and then she was going to be the keynote for the the meeting I was going to go to. And we have our masks on. I was like, wait, you're Kara Golden. (laughs) So we've literally had that elevator conversation. And that was important. Like, you never know who you're going to run into And she even talked about being in the pandemic and uh, you're going to love that episode when she, she tells her stories, but she was going to target at seven o'clock in the morning and she was stocking shelves. And like this one target, I don't even know, you know, what state or whatever. Sometimes as entrepreneurs, we have to like do that because in the, you know, right when the pandemic happened, the, the stores were still open, but all the employees were off her entire huge staff of thousands of employees were off. And so she goes to this one store and the, and the store manager of Target was there and people were like, you know, we were deathly afraid back in March last year, deathly afraid. So she's like double N95 masks and everything. And so with the store managers and it's seven o'clock in the morning, they're standing like 20 feet apart. And he's like, well, where's Ben? And like that it was the, where's Ben story. Like Ben was like the stocking guy right? And she's like, well, I'm, I'm Kara. I'm filling in for Ben, right? So like, she didn't even tell him she's a CEO. She's just doing what it takes. And then she was able to be like, you know what, for you guys that need to come back in and be on staff, I'm letting you know, it feels safe. If you want to come back in stock at seven o'clock in the morning, it's going to be you and just this team, it's going to be this day. And so she walked those, you know, she put those moccasins on and, and walked like you're supposed to do. And, um, And so that's, that's something that we're never going to be able to get away from in our business, but we can definitely lift ourselves out of the weeds. So that's, I think one. And I think Carl, you asked for like three, I don't know. That would just be like, that would be all three wrapped in one. Like if I could just get to that point, I would say that's, that's good gold right there.
1: I want to ask you one final question and This is more for, because we always like to, you know, part of us creating the show was to be able to show also how you can kind of diversify your portfolio and make money in different avenues, right? So just from your perspective, being also, I think you are the first D that we've had on the show. So shout out to you for that. Yes, yes. Now, being an expert in this field, talk to us like describe what does it look like being able to come into the pharmaceutical industry and being able to make money? Like, is that something that's possible? Is that more so like investing in those pharmaceutical stocks? What does that look like being able to potentially add that to your list as an alternative stream of income if possible?
2: That's a great question because we should diversify what we do. We should have multiple business, you know, business ventures within our business, right? I have one main company, but I have now a new brand. That's a DBA under the brand. And I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket like I did in 2008, right? Like I had just a couple core clients in one state Now it's really like I I do business development everywhere and that way that so you can diversify right where you are in your main business. The second thing you touched on is stocks and that's powerful right there. So last year, I had um, from leftover from when I left the pharmaceutical industry I had an extra E trade account that I was not doing anything with. And I had a bunch of clients that had just canceled a couple contracts with me in the early, you know, part of first quarter last year and second quarter, like second quarter, a lot of businesses took a huge, huge, massive hit. We, I was no exception. We were no exception whatsoever. Um, and, uh, you know, we found, okay, yeah, there's government funding. Yeah, there's the PPP, but what else could I do? So I took this old um, uh, E-Trade account and, I could have either just cashed it out and invested it in my business, but I thought, oh, let me start playing with stocks. I doubled my money last year. I mean, it wasn't much, but like say you have 50,000, now it's 100. Or you, I actually had 80,000 and now it's 160. So I really, and then in there, I diversified. I didn't just go for pharma stocks because I know pharma. <laughs> so I know that sometimes they can really go up and they can really tank and not come back. And, and last year was, you have to really do your business. You have to do some, a little bit of uh, a little bit of um, uh, research on what stocks you're going to invest in. But like, there were a couple no brainers last year. Zoom was like a huge one, like just go buy it. And Amazon, killing it still. Right. And it, it, it's not cheap. It's like a thousand dollars a share or something like that. Maybe even more, like maybe like $1,700 a share. So like that hurts to buy a few shares of that, but, <laughs> but it's worth it. And it does make money. And then I just thought tech, right. I'm going to put a little bit in tech and put a little bit here and a little bit there. And and just kind of what do I, what am I interested in? I did some of that, but like, you know, my, as a pharmacist, I, I've always thought, you know, I need to have stock in like J&J or I need to have like some of the some of the products I like or my toothpaste brand or Neosporin or something like that. And and so I did some of those just out of fun and and they went up too but not huge but uh yeah. Oil was huge last year. Um yeah, so you kind of had to know and just read a few but like I didn't spend too much time but I played and then I saw and then and then I had a gut feeling like going back to your core. I had a gut feeling they, they, I saw this report on this brand of coffee and it came from China and it just like, was like, eh, it rubbed my core the wrong way. Not to say you shouldn't invest out you know, like I have overseas stocks, I have Asian stocks, whatever, but, but there's that one thing. It was just, it said, wrong. and they, they took the money from every, they took, t- took the money and run from everybody like they just did that and so it was bad like I finally like it finally came back enough to where I said okay I just sell it and just move on and not worry about it you know it's a little bit of a loss but that's okay but there is a gain you know and and sometimes then you'll see it losing again and that's when you can buy buy low so that was fun like it's just why not why not be a little day trader most people wait till they're retired for that let's do it now
0: I I have one more question for you, and this is going to be an interesting question because I don't think we've ever asked it before. In your opinion, do you think there's such a thing as having too much money?
2: Wow. That's an awesome question, Paul, because I think people have limits in their mind on what, what too much is for them. And I think that comes from, you know, like I came from a family where neither of my parents had a, even a bachelor's degree. And, and so working hard, and like my dad served in World War II, right? I had actually been adopted at birth. And now I know my birth parents. And similar situation, working hard, being independent, doing things on your own, and different because they have become entrepreneurs, but like my, my, my parents that raised me were not. So they couldn't see like what a lot of money looked like. And being raised Catholic in that environment was like, you know, what are the things going up, growing up in Catholic school? It was like poverty, chastity, and obedience. So that's great if you're a nun and that's the value take. But I was vowing to take, You know, I was vowed into entrepreneurship. That's what God dropped in my head. So I better open a ceiling there because Elon Musk or uh, who's the Apple guy? You know, um, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, (laughs) Like uh, all these big companies, uh, they weren't built because there were ceilings. They were built because there is a dream of making a prettier computer for Apple that's functional and and then you're going to make money on it. And yes, there's revenue goals, but you can't have a limit on them. And I've definitely learned that lesson. I've had to raise my own limits to think what's possible. So remember in the the question you asked before of what would I tell that younger me of that, that first thought of the wellness center, there's no way she had that ability to open the ceiling in her mind at the time. I saw the wellness center, but I didn't know about buying a $7 million property. I still don't, I just, have, I just have a knowledge now that if other people can do it, I could do it. And I had to get to that point. It's taken 20 years and lots of therapy and lots of courses. <laughs> so, so I would say, um, is there too much money to be made? There's an unlimited resource of money out there. And the more money we make, the more we can help people if our motive is right. But you can't make it all at once because in some way, shape or form, you're gonna lose it. Because it has to be the right motive in your heart. And you have to, like the alchemist, you're gonna have to go through some tests along the way with money. And you have to be a good steward of it. And you have to not cheat on your taxes and you have to watch every penny. And when we lost all that stuff in 2008, I kid you not, my neighbors, we, we actually live in the same neighborhood in Miramar, Florida, which is just north of Miami um, that we lived in before. We, we moved into the same neighborhood from the house we lost in 2008. That was a different cul-de-sac, but, so a different neighbor at the time. I was coming home and his name was Sebastian. And he goes, did you make any money? Because they, they all knew we were having a hard time. And he goes, do you make any money this weekend? And I literally showed him a penny that I picked up on the ground. And I said, I made a penny today. I found, a, I found a penny on my walk. Cause I was walking and just worshiping and just like thinking and contemplating and all that. And I did not take that penny for granted. I'm like, I made income today. And so like, when you take every penny for like, this is, this is what I have today. And tomorrow might be a million or tomorrow might be 10,000. doesn't matter what the number is, as long as you are grateful for it. And as long as you're stewarding, you know, the, resources correctly. We don't always do it. All right. Right. I'm like, Oh man, should I have, should I have paid this other web designer? They were going to, w- I was going to save $5,000. Is that like a not good? Is that vanity? Right? Like we all make decisions that have some flesh in them and, or we try to make decisions the best we can at the time. And that's the beauty of being a coach is that I lost and dropped judgment a long time ago, even with myself. And that is that people make the best decision with the information they have at the time. And when you know that you don't have to worry about what people say or what people do or how much money you have or what you did wrong. Just know that it's there and it's available and waiting for you. I don't think that there's a ceiling on it. I just don't know. Like I just, uh, in fact, I was on a call. I'm in an entrepreneur group for all women making over seven figures. And um, I was on a call that like, I feel like the baby neophyte in that group, which is great. Like I'm finally not the smartest person in the room. <laughs> I'm like the dumbest. And, um, she goes, she goes, yeah, yeah. My consulting business, I grew it to 48 million. And I was like, oh, is that what's possible for me? Right. Cause sometimes you don't know what's possible for you unless you start hearing other numbers and you're in these kind of, so I can't even know how much I can make right now, Paul, but I know it's more than I'm making now. So that's a good thing
0: i love that i love that you just say you don't know how much you can make but it's more than you're making now and to the listeners i want to let y'all know listen i don't know how many more t-shirts we gotta tell y'all about but i can tell you something right now um if you want to get it today look this is what you got to do you already know what it is you already know the line text the word shirt to three two one three eight four six two seven five if you're new to blend, and y'all, if you are not watching our episodes, please go on YouTube, watch these things. There's a certain element that you might be missing out on by just listening. Also, come and watch it if that's your thing. If you don't want to see my face, I understand it. It's okay. I don't take it personally. But if you want to see what these shirts look like, you gotta watch. Right. So text the word shirt three two one three eight four six two seven five. I have the black one on today. Carl has the white one on. We have the gray. And yeah, that's all we got, because if you listen to the other episode the other day, I told you we're not doing any more of those custom made ones should have done it should have done it by now, but also understand because we listen to a lot of things today that really change the game. For most of y'all, you might be doing something else as you're listening and didn't really get a chance to write down some of these gems so we did it for you. But to get it, all you got to do is text the word study guide, study guide, 321 384 6275. Text the word study guide, 321 384 6275 to get it today. Thank you so much for that, Paul. Wow.
1: And this was a pleasure, seriously. Thank you so much for coming on and, and dropping the gems and your expertise. And, you know, we definitely don't take it lightly. Before we let you go, for anyone who's listening and this is their first time being exposed to you, what would be some contact uh, or social media information you would want to leave with them?
2: Oh, awesome, Carl. Thank you. First of all, thank you guys both for having me. Um, It's a pleasure and it's an honor. And the more we give, the more we're going to receive, right? So we just did a lot of giving today for your audience. So I love that. I would definitely love to get you guys on the Corpreneur podcast too. So I would love to tell listeners um, about the Corpreneur podcast. Um, You can find it on Apple or on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. So definitely look it up on uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you listen. Um, I am the author of the book Affluent Minds, and it is a three-part book. You can get that on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. So it's Affluent Minds, Core Expressions for a Rich and Wonderful Life. I'm all over social. I'm very social. Look up Ann Arvizu, annarvizu.com. Go to corpreneur.com. Uh, if you happen to be a pharma company and need my consulting rxcrcommunications.com but i doubt it i think this is for entrepreneurs only <laughs> um but yeah I, i'm all over social i like twitter i'm in clubhouse and um i like uh, i mean linkedin i guess was is my my primary platform but you know i'm on i'm on facebook and, and instagram also begrudgingly but yeah i'm not really i try to dip into social media and come a, and dip out because there's too much to do. But um, on, on Instagram, I try to inspire people with some good quotes and stuff. Um, so yeah, just look, like if you um, link in with me or whatever, and you say I, I found you on off the clock, I am happy to follow back and all that kind of good stuff. And, and yeah, I have a corporate to freedom checklist. It's down off my website right now, but it should be back up by the end of the week. And um, yeah, just yeah, I have a Oh, I have a I have, a, um, I have a masterclass coming up that people might be interested in. It's on May 11th. So go to corepreneur.com and it's a free masterclass, literally no strings attached. I will not be doing a sales pitch, but I will be teaching people how to get to your core essence and make sure that you are building something from scratch that is going to last. So being built to last.
1: Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much for that. And to our lovely listeners, guys, you know what time it is of the episode. It's time for us to fare to fare you a, a good day, and we'll have to see you guys next time. But before that, please do me a favor. Me and Paul, scroll all the way down Apple Podcasts off the clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur Podcast. Click that five stars. Click write a review two to three sentences why you thought this episode was amazing or why you think the podcast was amazing guys. I know it's getting redundant. We say it every episode, but we say it because you guys always text us and send these messages, please. It would be more beneficial if you send all this feedback to the podcast um, ratings and reviews, because it also lets other people know the value that we're bringing and the incredible guests that we're bringing on as well, such as Ann. So, With that being said, please go do us a favor and make sure you go check out her podcast as well. Five-star rating and review, because I mean, come on, she's amazing. She just gave you guys all these gems for free. But again, it is time for us to say ta-ta for now. So peace, many blessings.
2: Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.